1: Welcome to today's edition of Make Her Space, a podcast about women who dare. Hear inspiring interviews with South Coast entrepreneurs and artisans who've carved out their own spaces and share the challenges and rewards of their often unexpected journeys. Brought to you by The Standard Times and SouthCoastToday.com. And now, here's your host, Barbara LaMonico.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Make Her Space, a podcast about women who dared. I'm your host, Barbara LaMonico, and I'm here today with Kim Fuller. Kim is a photographer, a mindfulness coach, and an author, and I'm just excited to welcome her. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Barbara. Um, Kim, you were one of the very first women I met when I moved to Rhode Island, who uh, we met in a ... I think the first time we met was at my farm. In a mud pit. In a mud mud pit. I was supposed to... You can take
1: that any way you want. (laughs) That's exactly right.
0: (laughs) I was supposed to get a headshot done. I was, uh, at that time, a vice president of a university, and I was dreading, like, some... some, um, I don't know, really dull, dreary, fake smile headshot. And yeah. so a friend of mine who worked at the university said, I think I can get the photographer to come to your farm. Uh, I was so excited
1: about that, actually.
0: Uh, it was it was great. I walked out the door and you were already petting the horse and uh, <laughs> communing. And we went in the barn, you took a picture of me and my goat. And it's to this day, my favorite photo. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about this relationship, when I introduced you, people mm-hmm. may wonder, what is the relationship between work as a mindfulness coach mm-hmm. and photography? Because that might not be apparent to everybody.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, it wasn't apparent to me right away either, but I've been practicing mindfulness through the lens of the camera for you know decades now. And it didn't really become clear until I discovered that mindfulness was even a thing or meditation was a thing or being present was a thing Um, so I started photographing you know at the age of I don't know 13 with the Polaroid camera you know and photographing my friends and we'd always be at parties and you know taking pictures of each other back then pre-selfie mode you know Um, and then once I got my first camera um, I spent a lot of time looking through that lens and because I was a kid of a military family, we moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a way for me to really connect with people and meet people. So I joined the yearbook staff and everyone wanted me to take their picture. And so it was like an introduction to meeting people, but it gave me an opportunity to really look at them too. Cause you know, when you're a little shy and you're moving to a new school, it's like, you don't know, maybe make eye contact. Um, but it became a very mindful process. Long story short, slowing down, Looking through the lens, setting the functions or whatever it was I was doing, became this mindful practice. And then, when I discovered mindfulness as a practice and a, a kind of an accompaniment to my Buddhist tradition and studies, um I began meditating and practicing mindful uh, thinking and all of that, I realized, wow, this isn't that different from looking through the lens of my camera, except with the lens of the camera, I was looking more outward. Mm-hmm. and not that we don't I don't continue to look out in my world, but I'm really also reflecting inwardly. So the, the the photography helps me look at the world around me, outside of me, but then gives me this opportunity to reflect inwardly about what I'm seeing. Hmm. So that's where the mindfulness thing comes in. So as you are
0: composing a shot and, again, adjusting settings on your camera, you're really in the moment and you're in flow. And so you really took those same techniques and tools and applied them to getting in that flow in your everyday
1: life. Yeah, and I was practicing it constantly because I did it every single day of my life. So I was like, it was like early meditation for me. Um, and the cool thing is is that photography is the only art form that captures a moment. It's the present moment, and then it's gone, but you have a documentation of it. <laughs> right. Usually a moment's gone, and then it's really gone. But the, this is an opportunity to capture something that, that's fleeting. And so you have to be present because you're looking for that juicy... Something that's happening in a moment. And of course, you could have 500 photographers photographing the same thing and they would all come out differently because each moment is so quick. And they'd all be going click, click, click at different times
0: based on what they're perceiving in that moment. So you're really curating that whole experience. When you are getting that shot, you're paying... I can imagine that your attention would be so heightened because you're focusing on everything, as you said, looking
1: for that that one frame that's going to tell the story. Right, and in my case, I photograph people mostly. So, And if I'm photographing in a more editorial style, I'm looking for that facial expression, the composition, the right light, the interaction between somebody else in the frame or the objects in the frame with that person. So there's there's this really quick processing that happens as you look at the shape of the box that everything's fitting into and the choices you're making about what you're going to leave out even or what you're going to contain in that box. Mm-hmm. And so that's life. Right, we make those choices in our mind every day. What do I want to let go of? What do I want to leave out? And what do I want to bring in? And it's the same thing. It's a great metaphor. Yeah, really amazing. Yeah, and so it's it's so in line with one another. They they are so in line with one another. And um, when I started to really put language around it, I thought, wow, there's really something to this. And so now, you know, when I teach mindful photography courses, I bring all of that in as a tool to practice mindfulness. I love creativity in general, but this is just another way to apply that. So it's really fun. So tell me how the
0: course works. If um, someone doesn't have any experience with photography, um, what do they do in the course of that
1: session? Yeah, so we all have cell phone cameras with us. It's practically glued to our hand most of the time. And we take a lot of pictures nowadays, but are we actually being mindful in those pictures, uh, picture taking? So the, the course encourages us to slow down and look carefully. And we're getting away from photographing things and people. It's more of a contemplative way of shooting. And so you're you're just almost like looking and watching and waiting for something to really catch your eye in a new way. So we're looking for light, color, shape, line, texture, and the way that they come together in your frame. And so um, we're getting away from how we name things and why we want to take a picture of them and simply looking at the reality of what we're seeing because as soon as you name something you stop seeing it because if you name a bird a bird you stop seeing color shapes lines the feathers the textures all of that that makes it bird you just see it as bird and we have a conception around that that's how stereotyping works right that's right exactly and I'm all about that piece as well which we can get into but um This allows you to expand how you see and what you take in and see it as what it is. And so you let go of your, your projections, you let go of your expectations, you let go of the assumptions that you make about all of these things, and you really are in the experience of what is happening in each moment by looking in a different way.
0: It's in such contrast to the way that we all use our cell phones now. You know, people say, if you didn't catch if you didn't get a picture of it, it didn't happen, right? Yeah. And so we use our phones to curate or document, I went there and I did this thing, um, rather than use it as an artistic expression and a chance to really... Um, be in that experience really be in that experience yes you
1: really are in the experience when you're doing it and not to say that you know photography has that particular value of documenting something so we can reflect upon it later but it but if we're not in it while we're also documenting it we're never really in it and so when you look back at that picture there's no feeling that comes with it it's just oh here i am in a situation but you don't have that visceral experience that goes with it so Make sure that when you're documenting, 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 you're also very present to the feelings and and what's happening in that experience that you're taking pictures of. Yeah. Or you will miss it. Right. And it just becomes a technical, digital something out there, but it's not a real experience. Right. So when people participate in these workshops, are you outside? Are you inside? What's the setting like? Both. It doesn't matter. Right, we, we want to let go of our expectation of what it means to take a good picture. Oh, it has to be sunny. There has to be the right, you know, late afternoon light. This and that. It's it's um it's about being where you are. If it's raining, we'll shoot inside. I've photographed th- things that that are so dumb, really. I this is the best <laughs> word I can put. I've the shag carpet up against my the base of my sliding door. It's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in my perception of it but when i take the time to slow down and go okay i i don't like the way that looks so i'm gonna actually photograph it in a way that i can take it in in a new perspective so i get down low and i'm really looking at this ugly shag carpet which bright red against this ugly you know framework of this sliding door and i make a new composition and now i have a new perspective of what this thing is shag carpet's actually got a purpose. The door has a purpose. I can look at it in a new way and go, eh, I don't like that from wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, you've so, recreated yeah, it. I mean, I'm not loving it, but it's like, it's just a way to shift a perspective around something. And that's a l- great lesson
0: to apply to other things in life as oh, well. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And I'm delighted that shag carpet still exists because I grew <laughs> up in the 70s. I'm glad they're back. Well, let me say, I, I, g- I grew up with that uh, Harvest Gold <laughs> shag carpet oh, in our house. Gold. Yeah. Wow,
1: you're really, really making it work.
0: Avocado green appliances. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, I want to talk about the portraits that you do. Yeah. And I know that you- have been involved in a project um, doing portraits of women. Mm-hmm. And some of them are uh, so that she can have a headshot or one that reflects her brand. But it's so much more. And we were talking before this podcast started about the fact that women often don't like to be photographed. We become um, the, I think, the observing, critical, uh, I Judge, look too yeah. old, I'm j- judging, or we're afraid we will not be conveyed in how we truly see ourselves. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about what got you into doing the this new kind of, um, I don't know if it's portraiture, but photographs yeah. of women as it relates to their business and their personal identities. Yeah,
1: um, well that word authentic always pops up, you know, like what's authentic? Um, and I think it's—it it is that feeling we have about who we are. Like you said, you're most happy when you're sitting in the barn with your goats. That's a feeling, it's not how you look. And so we want to feel that way when we look at our image, um, and so that to me is finding an authentic version of yourself. Yeah. What is that feeling? And when you can be in that versus the what do I look what do I look like? It's going to shine through, and you're going to love the picture because that same feeling comes across in the picture. Yeah, and it's it's so. We can all get hung up on, I need to lose that last 10 pounds, or um, you know, I need to get my hair cut, and, or um, I don't have the right outfit, or whatever it is, right? Um, but those, those are not the things that people see in you, for one. And so we got to look at what, what is it that we want to attract, or who do we want to attract? Why are people drawn to me? And how can I attract more of those people that, that I like? Like, who am I drawn to and who do I want to draw to me? And you'll find probably that when you are in the barn with the goats, I'm just going to use that as a metaphor, people are attracted to you mm-hmm. because you're happy. Right. You're in joy. You're in your flow. And that's magnetic. But if you're trying to be someone else, it's a lot of work. That's right. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. You're drained. You're not in joy. You're not in flow, and a wall goes up in a sense. Like there's this barrier between you and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, when you can let that down and be in the feeling and the experience of being with me or another photographer or wherever you're, you know, shooting, and and hold on to that piece, you can't help but show up, quote unquote,
0: authentically. And what are the tricks or tips or or tools that you use to get people in that space. Because I think I told you again, not to be too self referential. But one of the things that made me feel so comfortable was my connection with you. And you were really a stranger. Mm. But you were very present in the moment. And we were really having a conversation while you took photos. And I was not self aware I wasn't thinking about how I looked through the lens of your camera. I felt very connected and energized by what was happening between us. And so what, what are the tools that you use to elicit that?
1: Well, first of all, I think I attract people like you to me. I attract creative, expressive people. Um, so a lot of the people that I do work with are like that. The ones that aren't... Um, I just get a little more curious, I guess. And I get curious with everyone. I love everyone's story, and I also see something in people. I think that's why I'm a photographer. It's it's the gift that I think i was been blessed with, is that I see something. I see the light in people. I see their flow. Um, and it's not always what they do. It's just how they be, as they say. <laughs> um, so, I personally have to get very present before a shoot, but I'm also very curious, and so my mind is very open to, ooh, what's gonna show up if I really pay attention? So I do ask a lot of questions, <laughs> and I I think everyone likes to talk about themselves, and I don't, I don't mean that in a, like, oh, I'm such an egotistical type, I would like to talk about myself, but people like to share their story, mm-hmm. because um, that's how we connect, and so that's one of the tools I use, is mm-hmm. to just really, and it's not really even a tool. It's just, uh, that's who I am. Um, you at this kind of people. unfolding. Yeah, it's it an unfolding people. of someone's story, and, and it's, it's... Yeah, and it's an acceptance. I like you just as you are. You don't have to do anything right now. Just be, be you, and I will find that light that shines when you do that. So I offer that as an opportunity to just say, just, just do you. Um, because a lot of people say, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't want you to do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to watch and we're going to talk and I'm going to see something. And then I may ask you to repeat it because I didn't catch it. But essentially, I like to just kind of be an observer and say, who who is that person? Yeah, What's unique about them that I can bring out a little bit?
0: Amazing! I looked at some of the photos on your website, and they are remarkable. I Thank mean, you. Everyone really is just exuding joy, and and we
1: have fun. The they shoots look are fun. so fun. <laughs> they look incredibly fun. I just had my own photos done. Right, I got to walk the walk. And um, I remember beforehand thinking to myself, "All right, Kim, you know, you got to practice what you preach. Like you're going to be present, not to art direct. For one, being a photographer and working with another photographer, I was like, I'm not going to art direct." You know, I got to let them do their, their light too. Like, mm-hmm. what's their gift? And then I said, okay, who am I and what, what do I want? I want more play in my life. I want more joy. And, and I'm also, I love funky outfits. So I had this long, you know, really colorful skirt on. And I had all my stuff on, you know, that I love. And we went out to the rocks and I was jumping around and I was playing and I was praying and I was meditating. All, you know, I let all of my bits show and I'll tell you what I've gotten the nicest comments from people and they are just like this is so you. I'm like yeah it's so me cuz this is who I always am. I, I hope to be. Yeah. I have my moments like anybody <laughs> else where I'm like living in the oh who should I be moment but uh-huh. um, when we practice we can do it more often naturally. And so that's what I like to say is like this photo shoot's just a practice for life, right? Like right. if you can do it here then you can keep looking at it when you have a doubt. Say that's me. That's me, and then go out and be it. Mm-hmm. cuz exactly. so that's what I love about the photo shoots. Is it lets let something be practiced. Amazing. Yeah.
0: And um, I was also interested in hearing about this technique that you've used with meditation, this pause technique. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I know that in addition to the photography workshops that you do, the mindful photography, you also do some uh, workshops more devoted, more closely focused on meditation. Yeah. Um, So talk to me a little bit about that technique. And I'm also interested in how, what turned the light switch on for you. Yeah. What flips? What, what switch flipped that made you curious about mindfulness?
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so maybe I'll start with that. Was that was a compound question. Yeah, I'll start with that because I think it'll lead up to pause. Um, I was going through kind of a couple of challenging relationships and I hadn't really had a ton. Like I was telling you before this started recording, I had a pretty good life. I had very kind parents when my sisters and I got along. My, my childhood was well nurtured and all those good things um but I was having some difficult relationships with a couple of people and I didn't really have anything to turn to because I didn't I wasn't raised with any kind of spiritual practice per se or religious background so I didn't really have something that I felt like oh I can turn to that scripture or this for guidance and I was on a photography assignment and it was for a university and the Dalai Lama was speaking and um, when I got to the event I was my ego was blown way out of proportion. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm going to get to walk around. I'm going to meet the Dalai Lama. I've been photographing for this university for so long. I'm going to get the best gig, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, my butt was placed in a seat for the entire event. Someone else got the cool gig that I didn't even know. I'm like, who's that guy? How, how did he get that job? I was sitting three rows back now because all the journalists got the front row, and I'm just in a tiff, right? So I'm thinking, all right. Here I am trying to photograph the Dalai Lama, and I'm, I'm a mess. But when he came down the aisle and entered the back of the tent, which was filled with thousands of people, I thought, wow, he, something magical is happening right now. And the more I watched him make his way down the aisle and how he was affecting everyone, I got really curious. I'm like, what is he doing? What, why does he have this effect on people? And when he got to me, I was, by the way, very fortunate to be sitting in that seat, because if I hadn't been... I would not have gotten the handshake that I got. And in the moment of that handshake, something really powerful happened. I felt as this love was just shooting through his eyes, through his hand and into me. And in that moment, nothing mattered. Everything was just as it should be. My ego went away, my, what I was doing there went away, what shots was I gonna get went away. And I burst into tears. Wow. It was a you know, profound moment. And so I thought, okay, what was that? I want more of that. Yeah. I said, that was pure love. And so, you know, listening to him talk, everything he was saying started making sense for me. And I'm like, all right, this is obviously what I need to be paying attention to. So I literally went home that night and looked up Buddhism, meditation. What do you do? What does he do? How did he get that? Knowing that I would never be the Dalai Lama, but I needed to get started. And so, long story short, I started studying Buddhism and mindfulness. And so... My greatest teacher, though, came along, Um, he was not a monk, he was not, you know, some spiritual guru, he was my now son, and at the time, he was not my son, he was an eight year old little boy who came into our lives through adoption, and he really became the teacher that I needed to really fully understand compassion, empathy, what kindness was, what it meant to be a bodhisattva, which is someone who, you know, aspires to be enlightened, and he challenged me to no end. It was the hardest thing I've ever done and the most amazing thing I've ever done. But what really, really saved me was the two years before adopting him of that mindfulness practice, practicing meditation, understanding myself, understanding that internal dialogue that's constantly going on that I might not listen to as closely as I should, understanding how the world is so connected, how people are so connected, what that means. And so when he came into my life and really challenged all of that, it was, it was, uh, about being broken and then broken open, which is that quote Mm -hmm. I quoted you earlier and saying, you know, I have a choice here. I have a choice to crumble and fall and let this whole thing fall apart or say what's possible. And so the pause method and something that I've brought into my, um, programs is really about how do we, be in relationships in a more productive way because the relationship that my son and i had was so challenging but i knew that if i wanted to keep him in our family and keep my family together we had to figure this out so how could i be in relationship with someone who's that challenging and so i understood that this method this five-step method pausing as soon as i felt that that energy heightening when i you know just take that deep breath and check in Get present, Kim. Let go of all the the expectations you have for this child, the need to fix him, all of that. That's the pausing and getting present. A, the A of pause. Become aware. What's happening in your body right now? What's happening in those thoughts? What are you thinking? So just being aware of all this experience in this moment, the you is beginning to understand impermanence. Everything is changing moment to moment to moment. And in those moments, you have choices you can make. So that's the U. U is very deep, and that's where the workshop really gets intense. The S is about shifting, shifting your perspective. So shifting out of victim mode into, you know, more um, kind of taking charge really of this situation and your piece of it all. And then the E is about exploring. So exploring that shifting position and saying, what can I do differently in this moment? So maybe instead of yelling at him, I can be more of a, in a listening place. Instead of needing to fix him. I can simply hold space for him and let him figure it out. Right? That's because it's his, it's his journey, right? So that's that's it. That's the the
0: story and how I developed. And that the pause can really method. be applied obviously to all relationships or oh, yeah. challenging circumstances. Yes, any of it. We When often, you're in traffic, you can use that method because we react, right? <laughs> yeah. We often just react yes. and we don't see the possibility of reframing things. Yes. And really then taking the step to debrief and understand what we have learned from that shift that we've made about ourselves and about the situation we're dealing with
1: and if nothing else just learn to pause and not react learn to respond like when we just can slow down so if nothing else i say to people if you don't remember the five steps just pause just take a deep breath before you speak you know slow down and listen Slow down to make eye contact. Take a minute and check in. Like, it's just literally that sometimes is enough.
0: Amazing. Um, It's interesting to me that you've found your way into a profession that is not one thing. Mm. It's a combination of doing some work that really is healing work for many, the mindfulness and meditation and mindfulness through photography. But then there is photography in a more traditional sense, right? Mm. And I'm wondering if you ever... Expected that this would be your path. And then with your son, and I do want to mention that um, the name of your um, book is Finding the Story of a Young Boy Who Becomes His Adoptive Mother's Greatest Spiritual Teacher. Yeah, who thought
1: I'd be a writer?
0: I know, right? <laughs> um but I'm wondering how you make sense of that and how yeah. you have felt about you know, the subtitle of this podcast is Women Who Dared, and you definitely don't have a traditional trajectory, yeah. and you create your work every day, right? You, um, I
1: create my life things. every day. Exactly. I, I, and this is the message that I really love to put out is that we have the choice to create our life in every moment. And when we're aware that we have that choice, first of all, you got to raise that awareness, raise your consciousness and say, What's possible? And so, I think when these things kept presenting themselves to me, or for me, I should say, I tend to be a grabber, you know, I'm a, I have, an, I have a, a grasping personality, as we just talk about in Buddhism, I'm always looking for the next shiny object. But I'm also someone who makes things happen um, for myself. And so I think the book, for example, you know, I'd barely written, you know, I've written a couple of blog posts around mindful photography, but I I wasn't much of a journaler or writer or anything. But there was something about this story and this thing that we'd gone through and it was calling me. And I remember sitting at my desk one day hearing this voice saying, it's time. And I knew immediately that I was supposed to write a book. And so I was. I turned to my husband and was like, "Oh my God, I have to write a book." And so I literally just started. I just sat down and took the first twenty minutes I had available and just started. And it took me, you know, almost two years to to write it and and edit it and finish it and all that. But um, it was a game changer. And then I did a TED talk about my experience as well, which was a game changer, writing, writing a TED talk, even if you never present one, everyone should write a TED talk. It's your story. (laughs) What a great idea. It's your story. And this is something I'm actually developing in in part of a coaching program is to help people um, develop their story and present it because I think it was such an empowering experience for me and got me so clear on what I'm really, really passionate about that i want to help other people get to it could to that really place. help them set their intentions as well oh
0: huge and really to huge. be able to tell their story know what their story is and align that with where they want to go yeah. but how did you deal with the voice that said well i'm not a writer i'm not a all of these things whatever the self talk is that says i can't do that because i'm not yeah. that thing
1: you know why because i know i'm connected to every single person on this planet and i knew that if i didn't have the skills that i needed to complete this there were people out there who would help me I just had to ask. And that's really what I trust in every day. Like I'm getting ready to create this massive event and I'm scared to death, but I know that there are people that will help because it's it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be about creation. It's gonna be about story. It's gonna be about people having an experience. And it's all the things that I'm passionate about. And I have to trust that if I just keep taking one step at a time, the right people will show up to help me, whether it's money, whether it's a skill, whether it's a, a something, I don't know, that if I stay in my flow, they will show up just like they need to. And and back to your question of how do you, you know, do that and make sense of it all, life is continually unfolding moment to moment to moment. I, don't, I have no idea what's going to present itself, and I try not to assume or project or over... Control really—it's—it's this sort of letting go of control. Not that you don't plan or set intentions, but you don't have to frame the whole thing. That's right. And sometimes
0: we don't want to start because we think we have to frame the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I just had this saw this great quote that said, "Everything you want is on the other side of fear." Yeah. Oh God, it's so great. What a great quote to really think about. Um, You're not going to die if things don't work perfectly, or you're rejected. Or it doesn't go according to whatever plan you had in
1: your mind. Just start doing it. We get very, um, we get very worried about failure, exactly. right? And then whatever that means for us. And so that's what the fear is. But failure is a, is a concept just like anything else. We just, we just project, project, project onto whatever it is we're doing, and we have an expectation. So what I always say is, like, um, I plan, I put the intention out there, and I take the steps necessary, but I don't hold tightly to the expectation of the outcome, because I have found that sometimes I'll do something thinking I have a certain goal in mind, and it turns out to be something so much more mm-hmm. or so much more expansive than what I intended. Like this event, I have no idea what's going to happen. Tell with me a little bit about the event. Well, it's in the such newbie stages. I really, um, I'm really, meeting with somebody tomorrow about the venue location, and then I'll have a date, but then I'll just start creating around it. But I'm creating a speaker event, um, Women's Stories, But really about women who have stepped outside the box to create their life. What obstacles they maybe have overcome to get to the next level for themselves. Um, But I want it to be really an audience experience. So that, excuse me so that they feel the impact of being creative. So they get inspired by the stories, but also the creative piece that I'll interject as the moderator will um, give them an opportunity to explore what it means to be creative and think outside the box. Whether it's business, art, relationships, anything, we can be creative or have a creative mindset to move ourselves to the next consciousness level. And it's amazing
0: that engaging in that creative work really does break things open it and does and shows us all of the possibilities that we hadn't envisioned if we're brave enough to go there
1: right who thought you'd be doing a podcast I a know, month ago or thought? whatever <laughs> or be creating this beautiful skincare or yeah. whatever it is you know if you can imagine it yeah you can you can make it happen
0: it's so it's so true, and your story is just so inspiring. Um, I, I guess that another question I have is, what's been the hardest part of the journey? Mm. And I, I guess I mean more as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur who is really you're
1: creating it every day, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Always the money for me. It's an old it's an old belief. It's an old habit my of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I've this year actually I've really worked hard at releasing my money issues. Um, I I have a joke and I don't know what you can swearing or whatever. I used I used to think I was a broke ass bitch. <laughs> that was my mantra. Like i just a broke ass. You know, and it came from you know. Um, I think the struggles my parents had as you know youth. Uh, my mother in particular went through some really challenging times in their family as far as having money. Um, you know, lang- the language that comes from that and just in a general dynamic. I never felt when I was a child that I was poor because my, my parents didn't necessarily talk about it and we weren't poor by any means. My father was in the military. We were average income, but we did very simple things. We did a lot of camping, you know, things that didn't cost a lot of money. We never bought a lot of clothing. We, did, we weren't attached to material things at all. We lived on a sailboat for a year and a half. I had nothing. I had a little tiny shoebox-sized drawer that carried all of my clothes, mm-hmm. and so I didn't have attachments to things, fortunately. But I don't think I really became aware of how we lived so simply until I lived in an affluent neighborhood, and went to a more affluent school, and saw what other people had for things. And it 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 was an interesting play for me because when I became an entrepreneur, I was never driven by money. But I think there was this idea of lack in me somewhere that I never felt I was worthy of it or that I was supposed to be at this level. This is who I this is who I am. This is the level of income that I will stay at for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm all done with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not so much that I'm trying to be a millionaire, it's not what drives me necessarily, but I know that there's abundance out there for me. Exactly. And just like I said, I'm connected to everyone. Their money is my money. My money is their money. It's just how we want to share it or use it. And channel all of that. Yeah. And channel it. Exactly. And so for this event, for example, I've decided that it used to be a hang-up that I can't create an event like that. I have no money. Well, guess what? It's out there. You just have to figure out how to get it to direct towards you for this event. Mm-hmm. How do you make it flow in your direction? You give value. You you put out something that's worthy of that money or that whatever, to come towards you. And so that's the mindset I'm trying to get into. Fantastic. So that's been the biggest challenge is the steady paycheck or the steady trust that it's always going to come. And even though I worry about it every day, it's day, I've never not had it. But it's such a common worry for so many female
0: makers that I talk with. Yeah. Um, it is daunting at times, yeah. and it does always work out. But yeah. we also have a lot of messages that we've grown up with about money, and mm-hmm. um, and our whole culture is obsessed in that way. So um, tell me where people can find your events.
1: Yeah, so um, my website is kimfullerphotography.com. Um, there's a lot going on on it. I'm, you know, I'm constantly trying to simplify it, but, um, it, you know, talks about my photography programs, the mindful photography as well, and the workshops, um, and then just the art of the pause, which is the more just straight up mindfulness work, um, so that's the main thing, and you have, have a Facebook great page. event coming
0: up in July. I think it's the nineteenth. Yeah,
1: I've got a one-day event at um, at a, a dear friend's home, which is a beautiful home on the Connecticut River, and it's a one-day mindful photography slash yoga retreat. So we we're calling it, you know, play creativity and play day um so that's that's advertised on my site and um we're only taking 15 people for that so it's an intimate setting so that the deadline for the early bird special is actually this Friday so I don't know if that'll come out in time uh June 21st but the event is um might. in July yeah and so that's coming up and then I'm running two teen mindful t- photography camps this summer July and August for teens for teens teen girls so that's going to be really uh, exploring, you know, the imagery that's out online and what we see every day and how do we take that in and looking at our own body image and our own self image and stuff like that. Um, and then I'll, I'll be running another Art of the Pause uh, retreat this fall, most likely. So that'll be coming up. I don't have that advertised yet, but um, that's coming up as well great yeah i can't thank you enough for being here what a great
0: oh, I'm conversation honored. i'm honored Seriously. I, thank you for
1: inviting me you're you're wonderful Barbara.
0: well i um i've loved our listening and learning more about you and i think that there's just some really powerful lessons for everybody listening so thank you. thank you and thank you everybody for joining us on makerspace today
1: That's this week's episode of Make Her Space. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.